It's time for another episode of the No Presidium Podcast, the podcast about immersive, interactive, and site-specific, basically all the kinds of theater and performance that don't quite fit in a frame. I'm Noah Nelson, your host and the founder of No Presidium, and this is episode five. This week features the second part of our conversation with Jennifer Chang of Chalk Repertory Theater here in Los Angeles. They've got a show opening this very week, and I'm super excited to see it. Uh, For those of you who missed part one, you can find it pretty much wherever you found this episode. Uh, I'd recommend listening to it first. It's kind of a part one, part two thing going on here. But first, this week's news. In New York, Together We Are Making a Poem in Honor of Life opens this week on the Lower East Side in the cafeteria of PS 142 and runs through the 28th of the month. San Francisco Bay Area kids, I'm going to say that you probably want to check out what Boxcar Theater has been up to and get on their mailing list for the Speakeasy SF. Speaking of speakeasies... Here we go. You know what's coming. The Speakeasy Society of Los Angeles's The Quick and the Dead over in Pasadena has been a big critical hit. LA Weekly, Bitter Lemons, and yours truly are all saying good things about the show. It wraps up this weekend, so you probably need to get a ticket. Like, just pause the podcast, go online, buy the ticket, and then go back to listening to the podcast. That's your best bet. Also in the Whisper Streams here in L.A., the Alone Experience is putting something special together that will start later this month. Keep an eye out for that next newsletter. Finally, here in L.A., Chalk Rep's Diet of Worms opens this... Wait, wait, hold on. I already told you that because that's what this episode of the podcast is about. So let's go do the episode. We're back. Uh, I'm back with Jennifer Chang, uh, who's the... uh, it, it, what was it? Producing artistic director? Is that? No, no, no. Artistic producing director. Artistic producing director. I knew I was going to get everything wrong. Um, of Chakra <laughs> Maturi. We get it wrong. So it's no, nice. there's, look, there's only so many words you can put into a title in so many different combinations. <laughs> you know, person who does things for Chalk Rep. Uh, she acts, yeah. she produces, she directs. And well, because we, we still do have an artistic circle where we do a lot of, you know, and that circle. Uh, um, takes, you know, a lot of maybe what our traditional artistic director duties, and we do a lot of the artistic talk right. within that circle. Yeah. Um, and then this position oversees that and has a final say, um, but also has a huge producing component to it. So anyway, that's yeah. you can cut this out. No, no, it's, okay. <laughs> no, it's interesting to see how you guys uh, arrange yourselves uh, because, well, because on some level, you know, new types of work requires new kinds of structures. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you do just wind up making the same old junk. Yes. But right now, we're going to focus on you as director, uh, and specifically as director of Diet of Worms, yes. which is the new piece that yes, Chalk has written by Tom Jacobson, who's an LA-based playwright. So, uh, tell me about this. I, I I got the impression that maybe you've started a residency at this new location. Yes, it's so, true. like, it's tell true. me how the piece came together and, and you know. Well, it actually happened well. simultaneously where we were workshopping Tom's play, which I had actually um, made contact with through a different um, theater company, Playwrights Arena, 
um, they had asked me to direct a reading of uh, Tom's play, and that's how I first was exposed to this play. Mm. And um, and it was so different performed um, than it was on the page. It really surprised me mm. and how much the audience enjoyed it because on the page it sits and it's about of all things the protestant reformation (laughs) and you wouldn't think that a play about these nuns trying to combat martin luther (laughs) would be this exciting comedy about women (laughs) and um, and we did something that was pro- that I think Tom had had previous readings of the play, but this is the first time that we had done this with it, which is that we cast the play super diversely. Mm-hmm. Um, there were no uh, all, all the women were women of color, even though this is supposed to be happening in the 1500s in Germany. Right. Um, and part of that is because you know Playwrights Arena um, has you know it's in their mission um, that they want. Uh, and it's great uh, diversity and so I was given the instruction you know especially for the reading you know we were going to cast this as diverse as possible yeah you know and I just I just gotta know like I'm from the Bay Area you're from the Bay Area yeah um I always felt like that's just part of what theater did I mean uh, maybe I'm a country bumpkin from like liberal land but like is 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 it kind of unusual for for that kind of diverse out there in the world now we're going back to back to our roots in the Bay Area I feel like being a person of color wasn't a thing in the sense that you just were you know and your friends were of different colors and I didn't notice really I mean I obviously know my culture yeah you know and I um, love my family. Yeah, and we all know um, in, in the Bay Area, everyone we, knows racism exists, and it, and it happens in certain ways. Crazy. But but yeah, but I didn't feel like I was a person of color until I went to New York City uh, as an undergrad and realized like, oh, oh, I'm an other. I'm like people have a hard time casting me. Oh, oh, I'm people don't think that. I would speak English well. <laughs> oh, good God. No, it happened all yeah. the time that you're like, oh my God, your English is so great. Um, <laughs> and um, so that was really the first time I ever learned about being a person of color in a way. You know, it's yeah. strangely enough. Yeah. In, in no, most diverse I, 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 completely, I completely get you because, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a white guy. Sometimes I'll say I'm a honky. Uh, and, but being from the Bay... You know, there's 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 some times where you're like you're very conscious, you know, like particularly like in you know, sometimes the neighborhood setups are, are in such a way, but then in in that theater world mm-hmm. that, that exists there, it's like I mean, L. Peter Callender, um he was a Af- he was is an African American actor and he's like one of the best actors in the Bay. So like, you know, if you saw his name in, in the playbook or like, it was like, Oh great. You know, mm-hmm. like he's the best we've got. So like, <laughs> I gotta go see that because yeah. like, or, or they, they got him to come through and, and it's just something where, you know, you, you, it wasn't, it's this weird thing where like, I don't know. I feel like the entire culture sort of going through what the Bay Area went through like 30 years ago and it's trying yeah. to get to where the Bay Area was 20 years ago. But that's also a very arrogant Bay Area <laughs> thing, thing to think say. and say. No, but it's something I took for granted growing up there okay, that good. I didn't even, yeah. I wasn't aware that, yeah, I just wasn't aware of my own otherness until yeah. I went away to school. Yeah. <laughs> and especially theater school. And I don't know why you would think that theater would be this 
bastion of liberal acceptance and etc but it in some ways the the aesthetic that is being handed down maybe on an institutional level yeah is still very you know patriarchal and white yeah know? um and so almost the sense of like you get that there's that subtext of well we're casting it this way because this is what we have to work with. But if we were doing a professional show, all of the sisters would be Russian. You know, <laughs> like if we could just do it right. Right. If we could just do it white. Yeah. And and yeah. and it's a goddamn shame because <laughs> the beauty of the theater, uh, when people walk in and, and, and ask them to just say, like, hey, imagine the Who's right. the best? You know, like right. that little bit of that meritocracy thing. If indeed the point, if you're not making some statement about right. the issue right. like about race, you're just saying, okay, we're going to try and get into the psychology of it. So right. we're just chasing that. Well, and and the thing is, like, I don't believe in race blind casting. You know, either I think you know we see that people are. I like. I knew I was like. You know, this beigey yellow skin tone. I'm not blind, but you know. I, I, but, you know, in the storytelling, like, people should still look like a family. Like, I, mm. I still feel like you still have to honor these things that a playwright has set out for you. Yeah. But why can't we challenge who a family is, yeah. you know, or who these other people are, yeah. um, especially if it doesn't say so in the script? And one of the best compliments I feel like we've gotten as a company is that um, I had someone say, you know, it's so interesting like, I don't even notice that the cast is diverse until the end. And then I realize it was like, oh, that was really diverse. And I had no way, you know, that. Yeah. <laughs> and this is such a, I know, this is such a re- loaded topic, especially, you know, now. Yeah. And, you know, in light of the conversations happening across the country. But it was really important to all of us as we set forth in this company that yes. we are always asking ourselves when we're casting a show, who can play this? Who else can play this? Right. Is this really as diverse as we can get? Yeah. Well, I think what's what's great about the because the, you know you're right about like you know race blind race blind you know unless you're like deliberately saying okay we're going to cast it that way for the specific reason right. that we want to. We, or even, you know, we want to make each of the sisters mm-hmm. different, totally different. Right. for the reason that we want to, like, accentuate how, how different, different they right. are. That's one methodology. But, uh, you know, in in what the company did with Vanya, in what the company did with Lady Windermere's fan, you know, there's there's a way of, of using it um, as a way to create that, like, family link. I was mm-hmm. flashing back to, you know, seeing a... a, a um, SF Shakespeare mm-hmm. Festival, like the Free Shakespeare Festival um, show, a production of um, Twelfth Night that was uh, uh, set in like the Old West was how they were kind of doing. kind of kind of kind of Old Westy, not entirely Old Westy, but a little bit. It was very popular to do Shakespeare in the Old West, like around 1996, um, <laughs> and uh, they did a uh, there was a Lear done at the same time, um, and the. Uh, the, the the boy and girl twins whose name are I'm blanking on at the moment uh, they were they were actors of color they were uh-huh. African American they also looked incredibly alike right it was amazing I was like no really like they look kind of <laughs> like they could like they were about 
seven years difference in age, yeah, but I was yeah. like, oh, I could totally believe if they, you know, if they were yeah, the same yeah. age, you'd be like, oh my God. And, you know, and to that sense of like, oh, they're, they're family. Like they right. look like family. Right. They're also really good. And you don't get the sense of like, they weren't cast because, you know. This oh, is not it's pity like, casting. It's not pity casting. casting. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a gimmick. Right. They're both really good Absolutely. and they both look like, you know, Absolutely. enough like each other where it like creates that extra level of illusion. Absolutely. And and yeah. that I feel like I, I this is me getting on my soapbox, but I feel like the the way that I can be um a revolutionary or fight for the cause is to show how talented everybody is, no matter what their color, telling this story, you know? Yeah. It's like having diversity on the stage with everybody being excellent. It's like, oh, then it's not that company of Asian actors. Oh, and we're seeing it. Well, is it going to be as good as, you know, I don't want people to make those comparisons. I want it to just be good. Yeah. Well, Um, and there's also this sense of, I feel this does get back to our, our, maybe our shared Bay Area experience of, you know, claiming these stories. You know, there's some stories that are, very specifically of a culture. Mm-hmm. And then there are some stories that are universal or can right. be made universal and right. trying to, and you know, Shakespeare is great for that. Mm-hmm. Chekhov has increasingly become great for that. Sometimes it's a shame that it's, you know, the, the old dead white guys, cause it's like, Oh, it's the Western canon. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the idea of people pioneering off and going to other canons and, mm-hmm. and doing the same thing of making a statement of this is a universal story. This is a story that belongs to all of humanity. And right. so we're going to, we're going to do it that right. way. And sometimes, and I think part of that is like new material right. is, right. you know, like doesn't have that, that right. baggage of, Oh, this was part of the old Western canon. So we're, we're taking white culture right. and we're, you know, turning into a United Colors of Benetton. It's like, yeah. no, we're taking yeah. something new and we're saying, you know, this is, this is earth 21st century. Right. But even with the classic, you know, a Lady Windermere's fan, I um, took inspiration from the fact that in the typed manuscript that they have at the Clark Library, actually, <laughs> of the play, um, it said, time is now. Yeah. And it's a comment on the social structure, right? The play is supposed to be a commentary on the social structure that Oscar Wilde lived in at the time. And said, so, well, we should be commenting on the social structure we live in of this yeah. time which is diverse, which is, you know, and if anyone was paying really close attention, anyone playing a lord or lady, for the most part, was still Caucasian, Mm. you know, and we were still dealing with, well, what is, you know, what is the currency of status? It's money or celebrity, which is what we, you know, deal with now. And so anyone who was at that party, you know, who was a lord or lady was Caucasian, and then anyone who... You know, but you could still buy into being like Lord Windermere and Lady Windermere, right? Are were the only lords and ladies of col- of color, and so they were the new money. Yeah. And then you know everyone else was was a little bit more like celebrity status. Yeah. So, you know, I think we try to do that, like making sure that we're still telling what the author intended, right? In this case, commentary on society, but applying it so that there's an in for a modern audience. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like, oh, this is theater that's good for you. Right. You know, that's just, so. Yeah. And, and while the someone who, who was both an insider and an outsider in his Absolutely. society, you know, becomes one of those threshold figures where you mm-hmm. can really play with, 
with those exact issues. Right. And in, in our version, we had a fabulous actor, Amin al-Gamal, who is of Egyptian background, playing that Oscar Wilde character. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, who else to feel like you're an insider in American, but still an outsider right now? Like, yeah. You know? That was a glorious tangent we went on. I was like, oh my God, I was like, oh my God. it's great. I mean, no, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, no, down, I, mean, I don't want to downplay what we're going to talk about actually. the company. That yeah. is definitely like a, it's a critical part of it. Critical part. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Of what we do. And, 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 and spun out of, you know, what the way you cast Diet of Worms. So, yes. but um, with, with this, so back to this show specifically, one thing I caught in in how you guys are, are positioning this one is uh, marketing team used immersive journey, and so that's always like a the the, the I word is always a flag. <laughs> oh, oh, immersive. So so what's what's because uh, I know you're 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 just getting into like the run through phase. Like what what's what's crossing into that that part of the continuum. In this one, what's the, what's the plan here? The plan is without spoiling me. This is the hard no. part. Is that we're doing this before, I, you know, but like I, I don't want to know, but at the same time, I do want to know. Like, what what techniques are you playing with here? Gosh, is it technique? <laughs> do I have technique for this? That's the question. Um, I mean, I I'm moving the audience about so. You can pretend to be surprised if you <laughs> come to the show and get moved. Well, I think, but I think, you know? I mean, for me, that the I word, yeah, it implies like if I see the I word, the I word, right? <laughs> if I see it, I instantly say, "Oh, I'm going to be moving about." I right. might be sitting at some point, but I'm also almost certainly going to be moving at, at yeah, you know, and and stuff will be taking place around me, right? And I wanted to move the audience more, but um, you know things we learned from even Lady Ringwinner's fan is like you can't move the audience too much especially depending on the size that you're anticipating because then you stop the show right um so we have a few moves in there like dance moves um and you know the hope is to really just play up the architecture of the church and make it you know appropriate to each mode of storytelling that's happening in the story mm. um that would be the immersive part of it. <laughs> and, you know, maybe some fun blocking that happens about the church yeah. surrounding the audience. And the church, will you be, because like the, the residency side of things, so you could talk to me a little about how that, that came about. And, like, well, and what it means even. Because uh, you guys are nomadic for the most we part. We are nomadic. And so this is the first time that we are sitting down, squatting anywhere. <laughs> Um, and it came about um, because the church wanted to um, they wanted to share their space mm. and um, and and they said, you know, it would be great if we could use our space more or use you know. And we actually balked at first at the idea. We're like, well, we don't we don't have a home. I mean, for better or for worse, you know, we are. A gypsy company and we love to move around and continue to expose different areas of LA as hard as it can be on us. Um, why would we do this? But then, you know, we sat down with the church fathers and they said, you know, we want to be able to have 
a company comp, you know, the, the deal would be you perform here once a year, there's no censorship, um, you know, like, and they gave us an example of the only work that they ever censored or didn't allow, you know, a film crew to do. Um, and I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and we would help, you know, we want to be able to support um, you guys because we know that space is a huge commodity and we have space, yeah. and, you know, that you could use for rehearsals. And we thought about the, the next step in our development of what we wanted to do and we want to, you know, really develop new work. Um, and so we are able to have our writers workshop there at the church mm-hmm. using um, their parish hall and their facilities. And, um, and it happened that this play of Tom Jacobson's, which is about the Protestant Reformation, you know, sort of came up and we're like, oh, well, we could put this in the church. And, you know, we told the fathers, well, we'll try this out maybe for three years. I think we can come up with three things to do at the church, you know, and we do a flash festival every other year. Well, maybe we could do a flash festival. We're not still a hundred percent sold that it will be at the church. Um, um, But we were also thinking, well, what other kinds of nooks and crannies are at the church other than the church? And so I think that there are going to be some interesting spaces there, you know, and exploring the church property um, and what we do, you know, illuminating and revealing space and coming up with the different possibilities of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a new challenge for us, yeah. um, but it also gave us the opportunity to do things that we, or, or think of projects in the near future that we were not sure that we could do. Yeah. Well, and having that home base to do the rehearsals and everything yes. is, is solid. And, and so you can still strike out into the rest of LA yeah. and, and find interesting, interesting spaces and, yeah. and do, do work. Um, okay. Uh, let me see if there's, there's, okay. So what we'll do, and I'll even leave this in cause like everyone's like, Oh, the newer goes to the book mode. So let's talk, let's, let's, <laughs> we'll, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we'll slug out, uh, you know, with, with, when people can go see Diet of Worms, okay. where, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I'll, I'll, we'll do like a, I'll do a, a, a tale and then we'll go, we'll do the bonus where it's like, you know, okay, Jennifer, okay. Jennifer. I get to interview uh, Noah. Yeah, she gets to interview me. And it'll probably be tacked on the back end of this one or maybe I'll release it as a bonus episode. Um, one way or the other. <laughs> so uh, tell everybody where and when they can catch Diet of Worms. Sure. Um, Diet of Worms will be performed at St. John's Episcopal Cathedral, which is on the corner of Adams and Figueroa. It's actually on a, like, I want to say peninsula of Adams between Figueroa and Flower. Um, it's 514 is the address. And we start performances June 4th, and we go till June 27th with some Saturday matinees, but generally Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then we have a couple um, dark days within that because of the um, the church schedule. It's always yeah. the exciting component of site-specific theaters working with the your site partner. Um, so visit our website, www.chalkrep.com for more details. Is there any, uh, aside from the chalkrep.com, uh, I believe it's at chalkrep is the Twitter? Yes. And then any, if people want to find you, where would they, um, you can that f- or? Well, I, I know I'm the worst at Twitter, <laughs> but I do have a Twitter. Um, you can find me specifically at changinator.com. 
um, find me on Facebook. And we do have a Chakra Facebook page. And you can also email me directly at um, chakrep at gmail.com. All right. Jennifer, I'm looking forward to the show. Oh, good. And uh, I am too. <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine we'll be doing this again sometime. All right. Excellent. And that's it for part two of our interview with Jennifer Chang of Chalk Rep. But it's not the end of our conversation, as you can tell. Oh, no. No, no, no. We do have a bonus episode, which we'll be putting up soon, where Jen turns the tables and interviews me about just what the heck this no proscenium thing is all about. That bonus episode will be going up sometime in the next week. Um, we're also looking to have another interview cycle start up. So you might get two episodes next week, or you might just get one. Uh, I'm, for my day job, about to go into the fugue state of uh, festival and expo time uh, here in June. So uh, we might have a little bit of a slowdown this month. Uh, the original plan was only ever to have two episodes a month, so and we've been doing weekly. So we're kind of ahead of the curve right now. But um, if if all goes according to plan, we will have no breaks. Uh, we just got to have that plan be accorded to. One way or another, you're getting that bonus episode next week. Let's see what else we have for you. Uh, until that comes to pass, you can sign up for the newsletters at nopriscinium.com and find us on Twitter under the handle at nopriscinium. Uh, if you like other stuff that's strange or just feel like listening to a madman ramble, you can also follow me on Twitter at Noah J. Nelson. I lurk under my full legal name for some reason. Um, on Facebook, uh, we're no Priscinium. Uh, we often put the uh, most recent newsletters into the Facebook feed, uh, kind of in an archival form. So if you're looking for past issues, that's probably one of the easiest ways to find them. Um, there's also the Medium collection, where you can find us at medium.com slash noprisinium. We've got reviews in there, uh, essays. Uh, a lot of reviews are going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, this show right here, this podcast you've been enduring, that you've probably turned off by now, uh, this show is made possible by the oh-so-generous contributions of our Patreon backers. You can visit patreon.com slash to find out how you can be a part of that. Uh, look, I I'm just going to be blunt right here. Uh, I don't like how uh, it sounds tinny on this podcast because I'm recording it into a laptop. Uh, but I made an oath that uh, I was only going to improve the, the audio quality of this thing and, and invest in some microphones if we could get a, a collective amount of $50 a month uh, from people. Uh, we're at $40 a month right now. So if 10 of you who are listening who are not backers of the podcast on Patreon were to drop a dollar a month on this, which uh, has been like, what, uh, 25 cents a show? That is a, that is around a Pac-Man. That's around a Pac-Man, people. Um, uh, not, not, not that Pac-Man isn't valuable. Uh, I play it all the time. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, very little amount of money each week can make this show sound so much better. Um, help us get over that hump. Help us make the show better. Patreon.com slash no proscenium. Uh, and then until we do that, I uh, won't, won't beg again for, for months, at least. At least months. I, I promise you that. I will stop mentioning it 
uh, for uh, six whole weeks at the bare minimum. That's it. Uh, this is the longest outro ever. Uh, I've had a lot of caffeine today. I appreciate it. And, um, uh, you know, I hope I didn't just uh, lose all of you, but we'll see. Until next time, I'm Noah Nelson, and I'll see you at the show. <laughs>